Welcome to another episode of Ew, That's Creepy. Jackie is back and going to tell our second story for Pride Week. This story starts out with a smitten gay couple preparing for their new life together. But when one turns up dead in another country, it doesn't take long for secrets to start unraveling. Please be aware that this episode discusses a violent crime and touches on pornography. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, all you creepy cats. We are back with another episode. What is up, everyone? We're back. (laughs) (laughs) Today, I'm going to be telling Melissa another story. I hope it's one I've never heard before. I think it is. It's um, not super recent. It happened in 2015. Okay. That's still somewhat recent. Yeah, more recent than others. So, let's just uh, jump right into it. Give me it. I'll give it all to you and everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) So, this story is about Jake Marandino, also known as Jay, by his close friends and family. This story was actually featured on a recent episode of A Lie to Die For on Oxygen. Oh, I like that show. Same. I, I think love that show. But... On the show to talk about it was his cousin Jenny Sochka and his friend Shepard Smith. They also talk in like the public and stuff. Who's the main character again? His name is Jake Marandino. Okay. So him and Jenny were uh, really good friends, him and his cousin Jenny. His family lived, like, I think half of his family lived in California, but Jake lived in Houston and was in banking, and he took care of his family, um, I believe his parents, until they passed away. He took care of some relatives a lot until they passed away, so he came into a lot of inheritance money. I think they said, like, millions of dollars, so... Whoa. He had his own money from banking, but he also had money, a good amount of money from inheritance and stuff like that. Uh, Jake was openly gay. His family, like, everyone kind of knew it. I don't think he ever had, like, a coming out moment. It was just, they all kind of knew. Okay. And in 2013, Jake told his friend Shepard that he had met a man named David who was 23. I believe Jake was either in his late 30s or early 40s. So David, this guy that he met, was definitely a bit younger. And the two met online and were, like, close now, you know. Did they meet in person or just online? Oh, they met in person. Okay, I was going to say, is this another catfish? (laughs) No, this isn't a catfish. But, yeah, they met, like, actually in person, just to start online. People said that Jake really showed off David, showed off pictures of him, and showed off, like, how cute and young he was, and that he was, like, in good shape, all that stuff. Cute. Jenny thought, like, Jenny, the cousin, thought that it was just a little fling, because, you know, David was, like, this young, hot guy, but he was, like, considerably younger, so she just thought it would be a little something, 
But the two actually ended up becoming more serious. And Shepard said that every few months, you know, him and Jake would hang out and stuff. And Jake said that he would take David on these lavish dates and, like, spend a good chunk of money on David, like, buying him gifts, taking him out to fancy places. Uh, I think just paying, like, some general bills for David. What did Jake do again? He's a ba- in banking. Okay, I yeah, don't you know said s- that. In Dallas, so I don't know specifically what kind of banking. They just said, like, banking. And then came into all that inheritance money oh, yeah, yeah. from taking care of some family members who had passed away. Gotcha. Right, right, right. Well, so money isn't um, too big of a deal for Jake. I still don't like where this is going, though, because, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I, it never really looks that great when yeah, you're Yeah, when you're younger. telling a crime story, <laughs> it's like money's involved, you know, it's like. And you're older and the person who is younger and hot in their relationship is just getting all this wealth put upon them. I'm not saying anything is wrong with that, just the way the story is going. Right, well, listen, so that's like, I think what Shepard, his friend, kind of thought and I think at one point Shepard said that him and Jake I think were at like lunch or dinner or whatever and Jake was talking about all the money he was spending on David and Shepard was like I like looking out for what's best for you but just be careful and Shepard said that Jake said that daddy had the upper hand and told him not to worry because <laughs> that, basically saying that because he had the money, he yeah. was in charge of the relationship. So he was like, thought that he was the one. Okay, Jake, I love that energy. Yeah. So he believed that since he was the one rolling out the cash that he was basically in charge of the relationship, not in charge of the relationship, but he was like... He had the cards in his deck. Yeah, and he was aware of how it looked. So, David and Jake were together for about two years, and Jake wanted to get a little more serious, and so he decided to sell his Houston condo, and he wanted to move to Mexico to, I think, be closer to David, because David lived in San Diego. I don't... No, what? I don't know how exactly that would be closer, but okay. Um, and, but I think he also like wanted David to move in with him, right? But Jake had family in California too, so he did leave um a voicemail on his cousin Jenny's phone. They played it on the show, like a little clip of it, and. Jake was talking about how he found a condo in Rosarito, and he said the place was fabulous, 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 and he was excited to be closer to his family, and he had signed on the condo in Mexico, and he was really, really excited. Wow. Yeah, so this is 2015 now, and he closed on this nice, beautiful condo. I think they said, I don't remember how much they said, maybe like 250000 so... For a condo in Mexico, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Because, you know, the property is cheaper there. So it was pretty nice, and he was very excited. Get it, Jake. Yeah. Get it, Jake. So on May 1st, 2015, um, Jake and David were supposed to visit Mexico, and they were going to look at Jake's Rosarito condo together, but I think they said something like it wasn't ready yet to stay in 
So they ended up getting a hotel room nearby. But at 3.33 in the morning, Mexican police found a vehicle that was pulled over with its emergency lights on in between Rosarito and Tijuana. The police obviously walk up to the car and see bloodstains on the ground and thought that maybe someone had been run over or someone had been hit by the car. They also saw a little bit of blood on the car and they saw drag marks like someone had been like a body had been dragged so they followed them and they found a man's twisted like contorted body covered in blood in the bottom of a ravine oh my god the blood was very very fresh so they figured it had just happened like in the last hour probably less than that like oh my god that's yeah. crazy they searched the car and they found toll receipts from America coming into Mexico and they also found Jake's passport and they believe that the body was Jake's from the picture on the passport. And the autopsy sadly did confirm that it was Jake. Jake's body had 20 stab wounds from an unknown object. Um they assumed that he was assaulted standing outside of the car on the driver's side door from just the way the scene looked. Mm-hmm. And I believe they said he was stabbed so bad in his throat that he was, like, almost decapitated. <gasps> That's so messed up. Yeah. But police do think he could have still been alive when he was thrown into the little ravine, which is messed the hell up. Jake did not deserve that. No one deserves that. No, not at all. So, excuse me. At first, police thought that it was a robbery because, you know, the car was still there. But there was still all of Jake's personal items that were left in the car. So, then they kind of thought it had to be, like, something more personal. Like, what's going on here? And why would they not take the car if it was a robbery? Yeah, that's also a good point. So, they went to the hotel that Jake was staying at, and they're asking about Jake, you know, asking the employees and all the people about him if they've seen him. Mm -hmm. They learned that David Meza, the boyfriend, was also staying there, and that the hotel people said that David had come in later on and was very unsettled and said he came there to collect the rest of his belongings from the hotel room that he had with Jake because his friend had just been killed. So, kind of weird that I think he, like, might have said that before police contacted him. I don't really know when he came in, but... So, David, the boyfriend, came in and told the hotel staff that. Yeah. That his friend had been killed. Yeah, or, like, died. And the uh, hotel staff told the police that. Yeah, something about that's weird. (laughs) So... Afterwards, Jenny, the cousin, decided that she would be the one to go to Rosarito and identify Jake's body. She said it was horrific and that, yeah, his head was almost off because he had been stabbed so many times. I could not even imagine having to see that, and I feel so bad for Jenny. Yeah, his friends and family kind of just assumed that because Jake was always very well-dressed and very put-together and very fancy... You know, and he did have a lot of money. They thought that maybe somebody saw him down there and just wanted to kill him because of his money or, like, take his stuff. They didn't know what happened, but they thought it was just something random that went wrong. Yeah. 
So they did wonder, though, Jenny in particular wondered why Jake would be out on a dark road at 2 a.m. so late. And she was like, like, knew he was not involved in anything illegal or anything crazy like that. So she thought that was weird since they did say that the murder was, like, so fresh. Mm -hmm. Why was he out there at 2 a.m. on a road in the middle of Mexico, basically, like, not in the little town and American detectives obviously say when you go in Mexico like don't leave basically where you're supposed to be so they thought that that's obviously not like Jake yeah so detectives find out also from hotel workers that after midnight Jake had come down that night and said that he was gonna go help a friend who had broke down on the side of the road and this friend was David and they said that a allegedly David said that he had called Jake that night because his motorcycle broke down so he needed Jake's help to come and fix it was he visiting okay he he, but them two were staying together in the hotel yeah I don't know why I don't know I think David's excuse was that he had to like run back to America because he forgot something. Like, they're not so far from America that it's not that, like, crazy. Okay. He said that he had to go back to America, I think, to grab something. And then when he was coming back, his motorcycle, something happened with the motorcycle. And he needed Jake's help at basically 12 or 1 a.m. It all sounds pretty suspicious. Yeah, it is. But two weeks after Jake was killed, attorneys in Texas, I believe... Jake's attorneys receive a box of stuff that contains some things from Jake and one of them just happens to be a will. This will was a piece of paper just like a little thing looked basically like a napkin and it was written by Jake and said that he had left all of his belongings to David Meza. What? His family was not aware of this will at all and obviously his attorney was not aware of that either, which is why Jake's attorneys ended up calling the FBI because they were like, something is not right with this. Is a little piece of paper a valid will, Mrs. Lawyer? Yeah, that is fine. It is a valid will if, like, you've made it without any force or duress or anything like that. But, like, if <laughs> if you kill the person who makes the will, you don't get any of Obviously. It. Obviously, yeah, so... But you can also, like, try to nullify a will and all that crazy stuff. But anyway, they did do a handwriting analysis and found that it was Jake's handwriting. (gasps) No. His friend Shepard thinks that Jake was probably drinking one night and David might have said something like, well, if you really love me, like, you should prove it or, like, put it into writing, something like that. And then he thinks that Jake probably just wrote it out trying to show his devotion to David, probably not being, like, very serious or anything like that. Right. So, yeah, but it was Jake's handwriting. Damn, that's crazy. I thought definitely it was going to be David's. I know, right? So, at this point, obviously... Uh, Jake's friends and families are pretty suspicious of David since this little will it leaves everything to him. Yeah. So Jenny starts Googling David's name and pretty quickly finds a stage name uh, for a man named Mario Romo, and it was for male pornography. 
Wait, what? So Jenny Googled David's name and found that he was in the male porn industry and was going by another name named Mario Romo. Oh, wow. Yeah, so this was obviously not something that Jake's family or friends was aware of, nor the FBI. So they begin really taking a look into David and, like, what he was doing. Pause. How did the FBI never once (laughs) Google search his name? I don't know, girl. (laughs) I don't know. Okay, keep going. So they find... Detectives look on Jake's phone and find a call from the night of the murder from David. So they do more digging and detectives find out that David was actually engaged to a woman (gasps) named Taylor Langston, who was currently pregnant with his baby. And the two had been dating since they were in high school for the past five years. What? Yeah. But when, so. Yeah, girl. When he was doing pornography on the internet, was it male pornography? That's a good point. Yeah, it was. It was? Yeah. It might have been, he might have done both, but he definitely did some gay porn. Wow. And he also had a girlfriend, yeah. Wow. He was not pregnant with his baby. Well, fiance, not just girlfriend. So, friends say that obviously Jake had no idea of that or would have dated David if he knew that David had such a double life. So, detectives are able to track the package that had the will in it and all that various stuff. And they're able to track it to a UPS in San Diego, and the UPS has footage, and they see on the footage Jake and his fiance Taylor, who's very pregnant, and they send the package, and they're both on camera at the post office just a few days after Jake's death, sending this package to his attorneys that contains this will in it. So dumb. Yeah. A month after Jake's murder the fbi gets a search warrant for david and taylor's apartment and they also interview david again and interview taylor they take david into a toyota camry and it's like a movie where there's one officer sitting in the front and then another sitting in the back seat with david like so serious (laughs) the old good cop bad cop bitch right so and i think like these are maybe the I don't know if it's the Houston police, but if it's in Texas, that makes it even more plausible. But, so, David this time does say that, yeah, Taylor's baby is due in a month. So, basically, a month after Jake's death is when Taylor is due. He said that he met Jake at a bar where he, Jake offered to buy him and friends drinks and then exchange numbers David told detectives that it was never romantic except for one time when David was drunk and he said that Jake kissed him and things just went from there. Yeah, right. Yeah, detectives say it took a while, but David eventually admitted that he was bisexual or possibly homosexual. But they said David was very hidden about that and like kind of embarrassed by it. Then, eventually, they get David to admit, in the same interview in the Camry, that David is actually a male escort, and he met Jake online on a male escort website. Oh, wow. And he sent Jake some sexy pictures, and 
I believe Jake sent him some money, and that's kind of how their relationship really developed. There is nothing, you know, if sex work is your game, there's nothing wrong with sex work, but the amount, the fact that he's living such a double life is crazy because it's the fact that he is, a, it, like, he is doing, a, he's a male escort and his wife is pregnant. Girlfriend is pregnant. male pornography. Oh my gosh. Which, like, live your life and make that cash, but... Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, like, Jake's family. <laughs> Such a long pause because I didn't know what to say after that. But Jake's family and friends, obviously, like, I had no idea of this. And it's not like David was telling the police this, the detectives this from the jump. Yeah, and then it's sad, too, because it's like you're taking advantage of someone like Jake who is out and okay with themselves and open, and yeah. you're not. And mm-hmm. you have him thinking he's in a serious relationship with someone who's yeah, not out. Yeah, and you're trying to play him to the police, like, saying he came on to you that one night when, and, like, you don't even know if you're gay or you're bi. Like, <sighs> that's fine if you don't want to admit that, but don't pay jake in this light like he came on to you and stuff just because he's out that's so offensive i hate that yeah so david told detectives that the two had developed a closer relationship and jake started paying david's bills and like that sort of thing but then jake obviously developed feelings and really fell in love with david and that led their relationship to become more serious and they started talking about looking for apartments David said the night of Jake's murder, the two were at the hotel. He said he was having some drinks and Taylor called him and said that she wasn't feeling well. So David went back to the U.S. from Mexico and didn't return until the day after Jake was murdered. However, detectives already had footage that showed David crossing into the U.S. the night of Jake's killing at 3.50 in the morning. Come on, David. And detectives knew that David was lying, obviously, because he was still in Mexico that night. And when they confronted David with this, he said that he was going to rob Jake and just take things from the condo. And that's why he called him and asked to meet him so late. But he said that him and Taylor were, like, out with a friend or something. Like, they weren't... Basically, he still said he didn't do it. (laughs) Okay. Then why are you lying about it again and again? Yeah, but he did say that Taylor was in Tijuana and waiting for him that night. And detectives did see footage of Taylor coming back into the U.S. that night in a separate vehicle from David. She's in on it. So Taylor's also being interviewed at the same time. And she basically clams up and just doesn't talk. And she just goes along with the story that she was in Mexico with David, but they were at a friend named Jose's house. When the FBI contacted this friend Jose, he said he hadn't seen the couple in years. So they're like, what's up with that, Taylor? And David. The FBI found this birthday (laughs) card from David to Jake at one point that said, I love you, baby. You mean so much to me and I can't wait to see you. So they throw this in his face and they're like, boy, we know that you played Jake for his money or you had feelings for him. I mean, who really knows? But they're like, we know that you led him on for his money. Yeah, it was not just this superficial relationship. Cut the shit. Literally, that's like what detectives are saying. 
I mean, at this point, they have enough to charge, mm-hmm. both David and Taylor, obviously. Like, there's so much evidence on them. And David admits just even more, like, that he was gonna rob Jake that night, all this stuff. Basically saying he was there, but still doesn't admit to actually doing the killings. So, while David is arrested, detectives find voicemails, I think, on Taylor's phone, in which David said some pretty incriminating stuff. I'll read it. Honestly, I feel like shit with myself when I, ever since I did that, I hated myself more every day. Every day. And I need to speak to someone. I really do. I need help. Because I don't know how to cope. I really don't know how to get past this and move on. Every day of my life, I wake up feeling guilty. I wake up hating myself for doing that. I had to. I had no choice. Well, I had a choice. But I did it because I wanted to for my family. But the price, the price is high. More than I thought. What the was hell? A, a whole ass voicemail that they found on Taylor's phone. Okay, first of all, they're so stupid, it's almost <laughs> funny. But <laughs> I know. Second of all, how... Did you not think... I can't believe she's in on this. I can't believe he said he did this for his family. Like, well, okay. So, prosecutors, they're like, we're charging Taylor, too. This is too much. So, they said they're actually within a hair's breadth of charging Taylor as a co-conspirator. But she ended up pleading guilty to obstruction of justice, uh, obstruction of justice charge, for lying and, like, sending the package with Jake, basically. Or, I mean, um, with David. So, she ended up, since she pled guilty, she ended up receiving, I think, a year and a half. So, and why yeah. didn't they charge her for being, like, accessory or something? They just said they didn't have enough physical evidence to really show that she was a co-conspirator. Like... Prosecutors said that there was evidence that Taylor had referenced in text messages about how the two were going to be soon coming into a lot of money. I don't know how that doesn't count for, like, some evidence. Her defense attorney said that she went along with David's plan because she was scared of him. But there wasn't any evidence suggesting that there was ever abuse in the relationship. And they'd been together for five years, so... So, in my opinion, she was definitely in on it, but they just don't have enough evidence. Basically. I mean, I don't think... I honestly think that she didn't know about the extent of their relationship. And I feel like once she got pregnant, David probably told her, this is where I'm getting my money from, so, like, what... Are we going to do? Yeah, like, what are we going to do? But she did end up serving her time, and I believe is out now, I think... David was convicted in May of 2017 on one count of foreign domestic violence resulting in murder and one count of conspiracy to obstruct justice, and he was sentenced to life in prison plus 20 years in a San Diego court. So So he he will not be out. And he never admitted to killing Jake. I don't believe so, no. Yeah, I mean, he didn't admit it. He didn't plead guilty. He appealed the verdict on, like, some... Some procedural grounds, nothing substantive. It is crazy because they really don't have that much physical evidence on David, besides the fact that he couldn't keep his story straight and didn't have an alibi. I mean, they have his phone calling Jake that night and vice versa. They have David sending the will, and they have David going back in 
to Mexico right after the murder. That is true. I, I mean, guess going it's back just into crazy. The I, I guess it's just crazy they don't have any, Did they didn't have any of David's DNA evidence on the scene with Jake's body or anything. That's a good point. I don't think they did. But because it's Mexico and the terrain is how it is, and David was only on a motorcycle, so he could have just pitched it real quick when he was driving back, and they just never found it. Yeah, true. So, yeah, that's that. He's uh, life in prison. And I do think that, like, there probably is more evidence that... There's not a whole lot of in-depth articles about this, so there probably was, like, more evidence that I'm sure they just didn't say on the show and stuff, but it's pretty obvious that he did it. He he lied over and over again, and then for him to send that package just a few days, honestly, the voicemail, like, come on, the voicemail? Yeah, that's so obvious. He basically admitted it. Yeah. What really pisses me off about this whole case is the fact that he did all of this for Taylor. And, like, I'm happy, you know... No, I'm not. He did all of this for Taylor. And it's kind of just crazy because it's, like, at the end of the day, he was taking advantage of the gay community by, you know, acting like he was this young gay man and posing as a gay escort. Like, it's one thing to be a male escort, but to take it to the extent where you were having a relationship with someone, you are, like, exploiting the gay community, and that pisses me off because at the end of the day, you did all this for your girlfriend who you didn't even tell any of this to. It's so... It's annoying. It's very fucking annoying. And it's so frustrating because... Jake didn't deserve any of this and it's like I bet if he would have just tried to break things off with Jake Jake would have been like okay well bye I'll go I agree it is sad like it's sad that Jake was definitely taken advantage of because he obviously did end up falling in love with David it's just sad like nobody deserves to be slain in such a violent way too it's really crazy and he totally like David was full-on living a double life and as horrible as it is, I wonder, like, was there an argument before? What started it? Was this just his plan the entire night was to do this and come back? I think it was just his plan the whole time because Taylor was due in one month and he wouldn't be able to keep saying that they were basically saying where would he have told Jake he was going when he had the baby. He never told Jake that he had a fiance. So what was he going to tell Jake when he couldn't move in with him in Mexico? But he still wanted the money. Greedy son bitch. <laughs> I hate him so much because it's like you seriously should have just broken stuff off with Jake, stopping a dick about it, and then told Taylor that you were a male escort and you did all this other work on the side and got the money from that. Right? So much sleaze and betrayal for no reason at all. Not a fan of David. Or Taylor, to be honest, because she had to know something sketch was up. But to Jake's family, like I said, I'm sure for them it's just so frustrating having someone who is such an amazing person and just... Be taken for absolutely no reason. No reason. And I'm sure it's frustrating to them to have just like, obviously, again, this person who was out in the gay community and for to know, to watch him be taken advantage of. And then by someone who was lying about who they even were and all of these things, I'm sure that is for them... Ugh. Right? It's a lot. I feel bad. So rest in peace and love, Jake. 
So sad. He'll definitely never be missed. Seriously. And David, we hate you. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the episode, guys. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed. Let us know more stories that you guys want to hear. Yay, we hope you keep having a great Pride Month. Sorry that these stories were kind of downers, but I mean, we we keep it creepy, and the link in our Instagram bio all month is for the Trevor Project, so... If you guys want to go donate, please do. Donate, donate, donate. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.